have you ever been in a situation or maybe a season where you felt like God's love is no longer with you? Find out how it still is next on Consuming Fire Network. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God for everybody tuning in. This is your host, Bryson Ricardo Butler here with Consuming Fire Network, where the fire of God is consuming God's people. Uh, so today, what I want to talk about is kind of a subject where a lot of us in our Christian walk, in our relationship with God can kind of fall short, where some of us may fall into maybe a religious mindset where God loves me as much as my performance meets God's standards. So the way I look at myself or the way we look at our relationship with other peoples, we allow that, that mindset to seep into our relationship with God, but God is not like that. Jesus is not like that. The Holy, Holy Spirit is not like that. He loves us regardless, unconditionally. And that's what I want to talk about today. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. So when the world turns their back, when friends and family turn away, where, where, where things seem to be falling apart, just remember that Jesus loves you. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we, we just, before we ask for anything, the Lord God, we thank you for the love of Christ. We thank you that you love us unconditionally, the Lord God, through our mess, through our trials, through our tribulations, through our ups, and we're walking through our falls and we're lying flat. Only you can pick us up, the Lord God, and you love us. We just thank you, Father, for your love. Hallelujah, Lord. That covers even a multitude of sin, the Lord God. We pray, Father, that even on today, the Lord God, that you touch somebody's heart, the Lord God, that thinks that you've departed from them. And we thank you, Father, for infiltrating our hearts and our minds on today. We thank you for taking over. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. For illustration, I want to turn to John, the 11th and 12th chapter. Uh, John chapter 11. Now, I'm using a very familiar text, but maybe in an unfamiliar way. I'm drawing from the story, for those of you that ever heard the story of Lazarus. Um, for those that have never heard of it, uh, viewers that have never heard of that story, he was uh, a friend of Christ. He was a friend of Jesus. He was the brother of Mary and Martha, uh, and he got really sick. He got sick to the point of death. He eventually died and Jesus resurrected him. So it, it was a huge, it was a town full of witnesses that, that witnessed the resurrection of a dead man because of the love of Christ. But I'll kind of, again, I, I don't really want to focus on that resurrection. I kind of want to come from it at a different angle. Again, Jesus loves you. So let's start with John chapter 11. It reads, now a certain man was sick named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary and Martha, uh, the town of Mary and Martha, her sister. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Amen. Amen. Again, Jesus loves you. So it begins with 
Um, I, I want to talk about two things about Jesus' love. Actually, three things. The first thing I want to talk about is Jesus loves us before we do anything for Jesus. Before we do anything, before we pray to him, before we worship him, before we do anything for our fellow man, in the name of Christ, Christ loves us regardless. And I know that's good news. Some of us have this mindset, and I, I was like this, where I think my relationship with Jesus is performance-based. If I go to church on Sunday, Jesus loves me. If I forget to read my Bible on a Monday, and, and, I'm, and I'm busy going to work, and I neglect my prayer time with Jesus, maybe he only loves me a percentage of the day. See, that's how we think, because if I do things to my neighbor, they may like me for this, and may, may their love may diminish a little bit for, for for me not doing certain things but Jesus is not like that before we even knew of his existence he loved us Jesus loves us before we do anything for Christ he loves us and and he illustrates that here because John John the apostle is the writer of this story now John wrote this story uh, he wrote the book of John years and years and years after the death burial and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so he knows what happens after this story because in verse 2 it says it was that mary which anointed the lord with ointment now if you read the first 10 chapters of john mary has yet to anoint jesus but like i said we want to go to we're going to touch on john chapter 12 um and it reads then six days before the passover john 12 and 1 came uh before the passover came to bethany where lazarus was which had been dead whom he had raised from the dead there he made him a supper and martha served but lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him then mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly and anointed the feet of jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment so chapter 11 jesus loves mary chapter 12 mary anoints jesus for his burial so what that lets me know because i had a mindset i was like okay i, I don't know i must have gotten it out of order i thought she anointed him first and that's how he knew them and then he resurrected their brother who was lazarus but no this is saying that before mary did anything for jesus Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus before they did anything for him. So again, I know that's good news because it says again in verse uh, verse 5 in John 11 and 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So before, before the spikenard, before the alabaster box, before the anointing of Jesus, before Mary did anything for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it says here written down in the word of God, that he loved her before the performance before before we started the church before we became a pastor and a minister before we started evangelizing on the street before we we started prophesying and proclaiming the love of christ to our loved ones jesus loves us jesus loves you he said for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son we're all born into sin, shaped in iniquity, and God still loved us before we even knew of his existence. Before we knew the love of God, God loves us first. Jesus loves you. So I don't know who's out there under the sound of my voice. You think that performing for God will make God love you more. 
that because I go on the streets and proclaim the gospel of Christ, that's the reason that Jesus loves me. Now, Jesus loves the fact that we do such things. It's for the glory of God. But that's because I, we do that because we love Jesus, not to make Jesus love us. Before she broke that alabaster box, before she went out and made that purchase, before she laid down that sacrifice, Jesus is recorded as loving her first. Jesus loves you. Before she did anything, therefore, in verse 3, John 11 and 3, therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Lord, we know you love our brother Lazarus, and he hasn't done a thing for you. Maybe he's invited him to the house. He's had lunch with him, and all, all he could do at that point was offer Jesus a conversation. But they proclaimed in the midst of witnesses, Jesus, the one that you love. The one that we heard under the sound of your voice that you love is sick. Before he could do anything to proclaim your name, before he could, he, he, he could proclaim your name unto nations, before he could do anything unto you, you loved him. Before we do anything for Jesus, Jesus loves us. Jesus loves you. Now, that's the first part. The second part, when we get into, and, and this is a trap. When we fall into getting saved and becoming a Christian, there's um, um, there's a popular religious belief that as long as I'm in Christ, no bad things can happen. Even though Christ himself said <laughs> that you will know me in the beauty of, of, of my suffering. That's how you know him through suffering. Um, but we have this popular belief that once I'm in Christ, if bad things happen, I must have done something wrong. Maybe Jesus uh, has lost his percentage of loving me because all these things are falling apart. So my second part I want to touch on is, and again, I'm going uh, with all these religious beliefs. I want to destroy these strongholds because somebody under the sound of my voice is being trapped. You're in shackles. You're ensnared by these beliefs that if something goes wrong, Jesus must love me less today than he did yesterday. That is, that is a, a lie from the pit of hell. That is, that is the enemy playing mind tricks with you because I'm going to prove that even in tragedies, sometimes tragedies, Tragedies, God wants to get the glory out of your life because Jesus loves you. Let's keep reading John uh, again in John chapter 11. When Jesus heard uh, verse four, John 11 to four, when Jesus heard that he said, this sickness is not unto death, but what? But for the glory of God, that the son of God might be glorified thereby that tragedy that pink slip, that, that layoff, that sickness, that, that, sur that surgical procedure, it wasn't for your detriment. It's, it may not be necessarily because you did something wrong. And it's definitely not because Jesus loves you less. Could it be that Jesus is trying to get the glory of God out of your life? Jesus loves us so much that he knows the glory of God needs an incubator. It needs an environment. It needs a situation in order to proclaim itself, in order to shine. Then if you look at verse six, it says, or back at verse five, rather. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. Verse six, when he had heard, he heard about Lazarus. He's, he's dying. He's sick. That he was sick. He abode two days still in that same place when he had heard therefore because he loves you he loves Mary he loves Lazarus he loves Martha therefore because I because Jesus loved them therefore he's staying where he's at now that sounds kind of backwards 
That sounds kind of kind of the uh, complete opposite of the love of God. But what he's saying is, I need a dark situation in order to proclaim the glory of God. And because I love you, Martha, Mary, Lazarus, because I love you so much, I want to proclaim the glory of God, not just in any old place, not just in any old person, not just in any old thing. I want to proclaim the love of God and the glory of God out of you and your situation. Now, because the situation has to get dark, that just that does not display or that does not displace, that does not displace the love of Christ in your life. Because he wants to get the glory. He said, because God is going to get the glory out of this situation, I want him to get one. See, we, we need to give God 100%. He doesn't want a percentage of the glory of God to be uh, to God's account. He wants 100%. So in order for that to happen, I need certain things to get dark. Because the glory of God, uh, and I don't want to dumb it down or anything like that because the, the glory of God is way greater than this. But just for illustration that we can understand, the glory of God is kind of like fireworks. The 4th of July, I'm in America. The 4th of July just passed by recently, maybe a month, a month and uh, a half ago. Uh, so you got fireworks going off. One thing, uh, everybody had different fireworks. Some had the little the little black cats. Some had the big, the big rocket ships. You got all different kinds. But even though everybody had different kinds of fireworks, one thing everybody had in common, nobody fired off fireworks until night fell. Everybody waited until it got dark. Why? Because fireworks are, they're beautiful. They make a loud sound, but they're beautiful. They're fantastic. They're radiant, but they're so bright. If you do it in the daylight, where everything is light, it will be hard to see. You can still see it, but to get the full brilliance of the fireworks, it's better to let the brilliance shine in a dark situation. So sometimes when God loves us so much, he wants to display his glory out of our lives so we can see it and people around us can see it. Sometimes he'll allow us to be in a dark situation to see the full brilliance and the radiance of his glory so people can see his face through our situation. Why? Because if he shows the glory of God and everything's uh, sunshine and roses, all my bills are paid, there's nothing going on with my mortgage, they, I'm not under a repossession, everything's going fine, my health is great, everything's going great, then when the glory of God comes, it's kind of hard to see it. Why? Because everything is already bright, everything's already sunny, but if he lets things go dark, if he allows you to go through that surgery, if he allows a loved one to pass away, if he allows you to get relocated on the the job if he allows these dark situations to happen then the only way the, the only one that can bring them out is Jesus Christ himself then everybody can see the glory why because it's in a dark situation Mary Lazarus Martha they're in a very dark situation but he assured them that I love you Jesus loves us I love you so much that not only am I going to allow the glory of God to be in your situation I'm going to allow the situation to get its darkest because again he said after he heard this he abode there an extra two days altogether he allowed Lazarus to be buried four days dead he wanted the darkest situation so that the full radiance of God's glory can be in your situation. So don't think that just because you follow God that he won't allow things to go dark. Don't think that he won't allow the night to fall on your situation. But it's not because he doesn't love you. It's because he does love you. He wants the glory of God to shine in your life. Jesus loves you. He said at night 
No man can work, but God can. See, at night, when I can't see my way through, when I've done everything, I, I've, I've consoled the doctors, the physicians, the prayer partners, the pastors, and nobody can help me out. Nobody could help Lazarus in this situation. It's so dark. It's nighttime. No man can work. But when no man can work, that's when God works the hardest. That's when Jesus is at work. That's when the glory of God can be on full display because Jesus loves you. Now, the last point I want to make, we've talked about, okay, God, Jesus loves me before I did anything for him. Jesus loves me before I loved him, before I could do anything to benefit Jesus in whatever way he loved us. Because again, Mary broke the alabaster box after Jesus proclaimed to love her and after he raised her brother from the dead. So that's point one. Again, point two is sometimes God will allow dark situations for our, 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 our mornings to turn nighttime in our lives in order to get the full brilliance of God's glory out of our lives. God wants to get the glory, but he doesn't want to place it anywhere. He wants to get it to bring, bring it to fruition out of our lives. So it's not necessarily that we're getting punished. It's not that God gave me this sickness and God gave me that disease and God took my friends and family. No, Jesus is allowing situations to come to pass to get the glory out of our lives. The third point I want to make is even after all this, the enemy knows all these points that I'm making. So before, uh, so because he knows this, if we pass step one and I have it in my mind that Jesus loves me no matter what, if I have step two, that sometimes we have to suffer for God's glory, then step three, the only thing the enemy has left is to try to destroy the evidence of God's love. Have you ever had a situation in a circumstance where God brought me out of a situation and I know it was God and nobody else could have brought me out, but sometimes the enemy will try to destroy the evidence in your life. He'll try to discredit it. He'll try to, it's a smear campaign by the enemy. He's the accuser of the brethren. And that's exactly what he did to Mary and Martha. So I just want to get a strategic. If you go back to John chapter 12, let's continue reading. Uh, it says, now after she anointed Jesus, there was a little uh, argument with Judas Iscariot. It was basically like, well, why did she waste this expensive oil on Jesus? Um, and we're going to kind of skip past that. If you go to John 12, verse 9, it says, much people of the Jews, therefore, knew that he was there talking about Jesus. And they came not for Jesus' sake only but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus to death. Put Lazarus, not Jesus, put Lazarus to death. They already wanted to kill Jesus. They want to kill Lazarus now too. Because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Now, Lazarus just got resurrected, but they want to kill him again. So you want to kill me after I'm already dead. But that's how sometimes religion can kill you that way, where I just got resurrected. I just got revived in my spirit. But sometimes that religion spirit wants to wants to squeeze us and kill us. So why are they so adamant? Now there's this great miracle. I mean, the whole town that Lazarus was in, you got thousands of witnesses showing this miracle of God, that one that was dead for four days not not just okay he passed out and he's clinically dead i'll pump this heart i got the little clear the little shocker shocker pads and brought him back no four days dead why do you want to kill him again because it says right here because by him 
uh, his very resurrection, by his very existence, people believed on Jesus. So again, God wants to get the glory out of our lives that we don't have to do anything but exist for Christ, that by our very existence, people will start believing in Jesus. But it goes deeper than that because it says again in verse 10, but the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also unto death. Now, the chief priests were mostly comprised of the Sadducees. So there were a lot of Pharisees in the Sanhedrin, but the upper echelon uh, of them were, were a group called the Sadducees. Now the Sadducees, they were kind of like the millionaires and billionaires back in that time. They were, they were the really high class people uh, in the synagogue, in the Sanhedrin. So they were the, they were the upper echelon uh, of that group. Uh, the only thing was, if you read, I believe it's Acts 23 and eight, it says that the Sadducees, they don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in angels and they don't believe in spirits. Which, I mean, just a sidebar, I never understood that. They don't believe in spirits, but God is a spirit. So how can you say that you believe in God, but you don't believe in spirits? So that's that's just my, that, that's a little rant by myself. I never understood that. But anyway, one of their, their biggest things, like what they base their whole doctrine on is there is no such thing as a resurrection. I mean, they, they live in YOLO. You only live once to the max. Like they're saying after this, there's nothing. It's just darkness and you're avoid a business. There's no life after death. None of that. They don't, they do not believe and they actively teach against the doctrine of resurrection. So the Sadducees are very wealthy. And their whole religion, their whole doctrine is based on the fact that resurrection does not exist. So because this is my doctrine, that's how they get a lot of their money. That's how they get a lot of their contributions. That's how they get a lot of their money for the synagogues to be built. That's how they get a lot of donations because we stand on this doctrine that there's no resurrection. Now here sits a man who was resurrected and, I, and they can't disprove it. Because again, the whole town came out to mourn Lazarus. The whole town came out to his gravesite. So you got thousands and thousands of people witnessing a resurrection, which the Sadducees didn't say does not exist in the first place. So now this miracle of God, because Jesus loves you, because Jesus loves me, he had the glory of God explode out of my situation. And now that situation is evidence against the teachings of another. It, so now it's a smear campaign. They want to kill Lazarus because he disproves their whole doctrine. He didn't have to do anything except exist. The only thing he had to do, the only thing Lazarus had to do to disprove their doctrine was sit down to lunch and exist. So they're saying because of this Lazarus who sits down, then we can't disprove that he was resurrected. They're causing people to come to Jesus. And that's what the devil wants to do. Because you put down the pipe and you're no longer on crack and you're no longer on heroin and other people said it's impossible, but the Holy Ghost got the needle out of your arm and got the powder out of your nose. That's evidence that the spirit of God exists because you're no longer on the street corner going for this guy and that guy and other people said that it would be impossible, but now you're sitting down to lunch with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The enemy wants to destroy you. See, a lot of us, I don't know your background, the situation. I know we all have a story, but a lot of times the enemy wants to destroy that story because we are overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. He wants to destroy the evidence. But Jesus loves you. 
Jesus loves you so much that he'll allow the glory of God to be told and to be incubated. And we're carriers of the Ark of the Covenant, the glory of God itself. And he'll allow it to go to fruition so not even the enemy can come up against it. They couldn't kill Lazarus. They, if you keep reading through the book of John, he, he wasn't threatened. He wasn't, he wasn't assaulted. He wasn't arrested. They could not touch him because God loved him. He put a hedge of protection around him. He had his angels all around him in the household of Mary and Martha because Jesus loved him and Jesus loves you. So in summary, again, you don't have to work for the love of Christ. Now, because I love Christ, I want to do things for Christ. So I don't want this to be a free pass to sin. I don't want you to go away with this message and say, oh, well, Bryson said that Jesus loves me no matter what. So let me go around, sleep with this, this and that. Let me go high. Let me get, get drunk. Let me do my former life. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that Jesus loves us no matter what before we even confess him as Lord and Savior. But because his love is in us, we should now reflect that love and love God more than anything. If I love God, I'm not going to get sloppy drunk at the bar. I'm not going to go sleep around. I'm not going to live my former life because I love Christ and he loves me first. Amen. Now, the second, again, just to summarize is, okay, so sometimes things have to get dark for the glory of God to be fully revealed in our lives. He'll allow situations to turn from morning to night in order for his full glory to be on display in our lives. And the third thing, again, don't be discouraged, but the enemy will try to hide the evidence. The enemy is giving, look at the world today. The doctrine, the doctrine of the enemy that spread throughout the world that says you need money, you need a high paying job, you need this kind of car and that kind of house in order to be somebody in this world. Now you have a person like me and people like that's listening to this message, people like you, that just because of our existence is proving that you don't need those things. I'm fulfilled by the love of Christ. You may have tried to kill me with that doctrine, but that old man has died. Now I'm resurrected a new creature. Those things have passed away. All things have become new. Now I'm something, I'm a new creature that disproves your doctrine. That just proves that I need this type of female on my arm or I need that type of, of male to marry for my for my sisters out there. And I need to do this and do that. What I see on Instagram and Twitter in order to be accepted. But Jesus has another doctrine. He's resurrected that old man into saying that you don't need those dead works and our very existence. The enemy tries to destroy it, but the Lord loves us. We can sit down and have lunch with Christ and everything that we do. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for the love of Christ. We thank you that Jesus loves us, the Lord God. We thank you for your love on today, the Lord God. We even pray, Father, that you even get the glory out of our lives, the Lord God, that we can radiate the love of Christ out of us, the Lord God, that'll go into the people that have never felt the love of God before, the Lord God. Shine through us, the Lord God, that your love will be on full display, that it will just catch like wildfire in our communities, the Lord God, in our nation, in our Congress, in our president, and all around the nations over the world, the Lord God. We just Thank you, Father, for using us, the Lord God. And we just pray, Father, that you continue to empty us out of ourselves and fill us up with your glory to be used by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. So throughout today, this week, this month, this year, the rest of your days, don't forget that Jesus loves you. Again, this is your host, Bryson Ricardo Butler. Until next time, God bless.